You're listening to Extemporaneously, a podcast all about the job search and how to communicate effectively once you get that job. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Extemporaneously. It's going to be a little bit different because I do not have a guest this week. It is just me and a microphone and a list of questions that I found on Reddit. I follow a couple of subreddits about careers or the job search, and oftentimes I notice a lot of themes in terms of questions that I think people maybe are afraid of asking or hesitant or I think might be a little bit silly, but in reality are questions that a lot of people have based on the people that I've worked with or some other folks that I've spoken with or have networked with. So I thought it'd be really cool just to sit down and talk about a couple of things that I really want to talk about and answer some questions that might be helpful for anyone that's listening. So let's get started. The first question that I have bookmarked is from a user Pickleface32. And here's their question. Have you ever lost interest in a job interview? I did a really awkward phone interview for a company, and after being asked a few questions, then checking out the company website, I just lost confidence in my ability to do the job there. I'm wondering if anyone else feels that way. This is something that caught my eye because there are almost two different questions that are being asked. They first asked if anyone has lost interest in a job after an interview, but then later alludes to losing confidence in their ability to actually do the job that they're interviewing for. And that's a really important distinction. If you're walking away from an interview thinking, I don't know if I'm fully qualified or if I answered questions the best my abilities about a particular technical skill, then I think you need to have a real sit down and evaluate whether or not the skills that were shown or asked of you is something that you actually have experience in. And then also ask yourself, how big of the job or how big of a portion of this job will require the specific skill set? And maybe that's actually a question that you can ask in a follow-up interview or in an email if that's something that really is concerning. But I wouldn't let your inability or your lack of confidence in your ability to to complete a particular type of task or to demonstrate a particular skill be a deterrent for you going for a job that might actually be of interest to you or could challenge you and stimulate you in a way that another job can't. Now, that's not to say that you can't walk out of an interview and think, you know, this job really isn't for me. That is something that is really near and dear to my heart because I work with so many different job seekers and they'll feel it in their gut that after an interview, a company or a manager or even the the role that they applied for just isn't for them. And they get trapped in this cycle of thinking because I'm the job seeker. My role in an interview is to impress, is to persuade, or even to inform that I'm the best person for the job. And the reality is you could be the best person for the job. You could have demonstrated that you have all the know-hows and skills. 
but that doesn't mean that that's the job for you. It's really important as a job seeker to understand that an interview is a two-way street. There's a reason why lots of interviewers give you a chance to ask questions. And I always, always, always tell my clients to ask good questions that really help you determine if a company or role is for you as well. And if it isn't, it's so much better to be transparent and upfront about that than to drag on and to maybe fall into a role that you know that isn't for you. So a really nuanced question there, really evaluate, is it something that might be internal and is an insecurity, I think is the first level. And if you've determined that it isn't that, and it really is just about not having an interest after learning about the position or company, then I think that says something as well. And that's totally okay. The second question that I have is from this user who mentioned that they lost out on a job and got the dreadful, quote, we went with a more experienced candidate phone call. And they go on to ask, why do jobs or recruiters even pluck your resume from the bunch if they know you don't have enough experience for the position? And why make you go through interview processes and to move forward in the in the hiring process step by step when the end result is that they went with someone more experienced? This is a common frustration and I can completely empathize because a lot of job seekers want to know why and they want some feedback as to what maybe they could do better or who the other person was that just edged them out of a job. As a hiring manager for a position that, or for positions that I, that I hire for on my team, I can tell you that sometimes on paper, you can do the job and we know you can do the job, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're the only person who can do it. And sometimes the reality is there was someone else that was also a star candidate. And I've been in agonizing cycles where I know that there are two people who bring different assets and different skills, but are equally great and could be equally amazing at whatever job that I'm, I'm looking for. So I think first and foremost, I think celebrate the fact that you've gotten to a final round of interview. I think that says something in itself about your skills and you're right. That's a great sign. But don't let the phrase we went with a more experienced candidate beat you down because that's not necessarily a statement on your abilities or even your level of experience sometimes. The second thing I would encourage anyone who has that frustration to think about is how you're framing your stories. Are you giving the hiring manager the full picture of what you did, the areas of expertise, the context, the scale of what you do, and most importantly, the impact of what you did? It's really easy to focus on the task. I process this information for my customers or I onboarded uh, customers onto our platform. 
it's another to say I onboarded customers using these technologies or these methodologies. And as a result, they were able to get value out of our platform and they renewed um, every year by painting a full picture of not only the task, but the context and also the impact. That's what really demonstrates your area of expertise and the true value that you can bring to any role that you're applying to. Nine times out of 10, when I work with someone on the job search, it's because they're focusing on the task and not necessarily on their area of expertise or that impact. So don't forget that. It's super duper important, not only on interviews, but also on your resume. So think about how you can apply that. The next question that I have is uh, from a student. And their question is, hey guys, I have a second interview tomorrow for an intern position. What kind of questions do you think I should expect? This is a really tricky one because the nature of interviews are that you really never know what to expect. So your best weapon against that is to try and be prepared for different types of questions and know your own stories or your own experiences inside and out. When we think about the types of interview questions that are out there, there are really five main types that I like to think about. The first are about you questions. There are things like, tell me about yourself. What are your greatest strengths? And these ones you should really be rock solid on because you can bank on some variant of that coming up. Everyone asks, tell me about yourself. That is the first question. So you want to be prepared for that in a very methodical way. And I have a really great article that I can share with you if you ever want that. Just reach out to me uh, or look at uh, extempor.com. It's on the blog section. The second type of question are behavioral or situational questions. The tell me about a time when you had to do X or if I had this problem for you, how would you solve it? This is also very common. The third type of question are technical questions. They're more about your know-hows or capabilities when it comes to the types of skills that you might know or the programs that you might need to use. The fourth type of question are negative reframe questions. They're ones that are asking about maybe more of a negative experience. And the goal is to understand how you might reframe some of those negative experiences or sentiments and turn them into a learning opportunity or something a little bit more positive. And then finally, our extemporaneous questions. These are the ones that just come out of left field and is meant to test how you think and how you react to things that you might not expect or you might be unsure about. And there's a whole bunch of tips and tricks there as well. I think those are the core types of questions that you really need to think about. Now, how do you actually start slotting in, let's say, behavioral situational questions? What type of behavioral situational questions can you expect? This is where I oftentimes would recommend looking at the job description and physically highlighting different colors. So yellow might be skills that you know are going to be asked of you and you should prepare a behavioral situational response to every single one of those skills. 
uh, green might be something about the company's values or what the company stands for and knowing how either you relate to them or what interests you or how you would try and map out you know, different tasks that you've done that are associated with that pillar. Let's say it's innovation. What was a time when you were being innovative and how would you innovate for this company? That's the line of thinking that I would think about. And then finally, what are some other areas or things that you might want to research? The lingo that goes with a company. I remember one of my first co-op interviews when I was in university was with Toyota. And they specifically asked me about a methodology that existed on their website and in the job description. And I was stupid enough not to research what it meant. And sure enough, that was a question that came up. So be very familiar with the lingo that the company uses or that the team might potentially use. So that would be a third thing that I would highlight. That's a really good way to prepare for your interviews and to get a sense of what to expect. So the first is to be prepared for different types of questions and how you would format and map out your experiences to that. And then second is to look at the job description and figure out what are the tasks, what are the things that you need to research in terms of lingo, and what are some of those cultural things that maybe is going to be unique to this particular position or company. The next question is about how someone prepares. So the username is I don't have a halo. And their question is, I have an interview later today. Is it considered bad taste to read off notes during an interview? This is very, very interesting and common, especially for people who might have some anxiety when they're in interview settings and might be a little bit reliant on notes because that's how they prepare or that's the way that their brain thinks. So I would encourage you to think about the scenarios in which you want to use those notes. If you are relying on your notes to be able to talk about your experiences or even the metrics that are involved in a previous job, I think that is where it becomes a little bit more difficult to discern whether or not you know it and uh, can be credible and confident in what you achieved versus needing to rely on those notes. If it was something that's a little bit different, like maybe you prepared a list of questions that you wanted to ask the interviewer, I think that's where notes really come in handy. Or maybe during the interview, you are talking to the interviewer, they're telling you a little bit about the team and the tools that they're going to use or that you're going to be learning. Um, and you wanted to jot down a couple notes quickly to refer to later on. I think that also is acceptable. But if it's going to be about your core experiences, I would, I would say I would encourage you to really, really think about how you can summarize them and practice them in advance. If you really do need to have notes, a really simple way, especially in the times of COVID, is maybe pinning a very small screen on the top corner near where your camera is to just identify one, two, three bullet points that 
you know you're going to refer to at some point. Um, but I wouldn't rely on reading because the interview is all about interaction and getting to know you. And it becomes really difficult when you have a crutch and you're trying to read off of something. So that would be my best guess is practice, 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 if that's a concern. The next question that I have is from a user, JV523. They ask, how would you sell yourself as a college grad with no experience trying to get a role? So this one is a really good one because I, I, I work with a lot of students and sometimes the reality is they haven't done any internships and they feel like they have nothing to offer. I'm here to say that is untrue. We often think of experiences or things that we can share in an interview as maybe something that is more substantial uh, or it has to be related to a job that we held. But the reality is you went to school, you've done projects, you maybe do some volunteer work, or you maybe picked up some skills that are outside of official education or even things that you know you do. If you have hobbies and you had to spend time learning that, what was your process to learn that? What was the time commitment that was required? These are all relevant things that you can share in an interview to show your dedication, to show your problem-solving skills. So I would say there's a lot that you can draw on. It might require you to sit down and actually do an audit. What are some of the courses that I've taken? And what projects did I do? What skills did I learn? And what are some things that I would love to continue exploring? From there, maybe you'll identify certain things that you want to sharpen on your own time. And while you're in the job search, what better time than to maybe take a course or to read up on something or to start a project that you can speak to at a later time in an interview? Um, So that's my response is if you feel like you don't have a job that you can rely on to talk about your skills and experiences, draw on something that's transferable and create those opportunities for yourself. The next question is from a user hacker underscore 101. And they ask, I have had a couple of interviews at the company that I'm interviewing for, for an entry level position. They always ask some sort of what you do in this situation if you had to do this. So would the best way to answer these questions be asking a supervisor or someone for help or should I try and fix the problem myself? So this is a modified version of a behavioral situational question and a lot of us have probably heard of something like the STAR method when answering behavioral questions. And what I want to offer is a modified version of that called the BAR method. It stands for background, action, and or assessment, depending on the question. And then finally, it's the result. Specifically, I want to talk a little bit about the A, so action or assessment. Sometimes in a behavioral situational question, you know, tell me about a time when you had to solve a problem. You can go, here are the three steps that I took. I first did this, then I did this, then I did this. Sometimes it might not be relevant for you to actually go through the procedure of what you did. 
At which point, instead, you can reframe it and, and say, this is the background or this is the scenario that I was faced with. And these are the variables or factors that I had to assess before I took actions, right? So in this case, maybe one of those things is, do I have the competence or do I have the know-hows to be able to solve it? What are some information pieces that I would gather before I go and ask my supervisor? And these are the things that I might try. So you almost pivot from saying, I don't know if I should ask a supervisor or if I should fix it myself to here's how I would assess whether or not I would go to a supervisor first versus trying to problem solve on my own. And that in itself can actually be a very powerful way of demonstrating your thought process and your credibility when it comes to how you would tackle uh, certain problems. So when you're faced with a situational behavioral question, don't feel like it always has to be action-oriented or process-oriented. It can also be an assessment of the things that you would be looking out for. The final question that I had set aside is from a user called Bink Blink. And the question is, I have my third round interview tomorrow for an operations associate role at a startup. This role has not existed at the company yet, as they have been building out their other teams first. What are some good questions I should ask seeing as this position is brand new to me and to the company? It's a... Really, really good one. I think when you think about the types of questions that you can ask, a lot of people start by asking about the culture or what the role is all about. I tend to ask people to dig one level deeper, right? So if you were on the team starting tomorrow, what are some of the things that you'd want to ask to help get the job done? Maybe it's about the success metrics. Maybe it's about the challenges that the team is facing. Or maybe it's about the goals that, as a team, you're all trying to hit. Immediately, it starts to feel like you're part of the team, and it gives the hiring manager a sense of the types of things that you would be thinking about, or the types of things that are questions that you can contribute to really push the team forward. The second thing that you can think about asking is, Taking something that the interviewer either asked as part of the interview or something that they mentioned when they were explaining a role uh, or a, a list of responsibilities and expanding on that. So if the hiring manager asks a question about, you know, here's a problem that we're, we've recently solved and we want to hear how you think you would approach it. Maybe you can flip the question on his head and go, I know we were talking about this problem previously. Just out of curiosity, how realistic is it? What happened? And how did your team actually end up solving it? Or was that just like sheerly hypothetical? And getting their take on it and see whether or not you're on the same wavelength. I think that can be very powerful. And finally, don't be afraid to ask the interviewer about who they are and what makes them tick or what their style is. Uh, I think it's a really good indication. I always tell people, that above and beyond the role and the company, one of the deal breakers for me is whether or not I get along with the people that I work with, especially my manager. So I'm never afraid to ask the tough questions when it goes to what it is that, you know, they expect or their style or who they are as people as well, because to take it full circle, the interview process is also for you. On that happy note, 
This is the end of our episode with our little Q&A from Reddit. And it also is the last episode of this season. It has been a wild ride. I had this idea to do this podcast a couple months ago and just started recording and figuring things out. And I just had so, so much fun bringing authentic stories back into the forefront of what Extempora does. So I want to give a special shout out to the guests that appeared on this podcast this season. Brittany, Sean, Amanda, Catherine, Sam, Emily and Alex from Swivel, and last but not least, Danielle. I'm already hard at work on the second season of this podcast. There are some great guests that I'm speaking with, and we're going to cover a wide range of topics that we haven't even touched on this entire season. So don't go far away because we will be back before you know it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now. You can always follow me on LinkedIn at Marco Yim. I will be posting some snippets and tips and tricks about the job search while we are on this little break. And if you have any questions at all, you can always reach out to me at marco at extempora.com. We'll see you again really, really soon. And thanks again for listening.